You know, that, that song, when, when I hear it, I think of Tim. He has taken that and elevated it. And uh, I just praise God. I just praise God for it. Forgive me this morning. I've been fighting tears a little bit just because of the message. And, and then that song takes it a little bit more, a few steps. But uh, I'm looking forward to us gathering together as God's people and getting into the word this morning, especially the place where we're going to be at. And I hope and pray that by the end of the message, two things have taken place. Number one, you recognize, you know, why I say what I say in the message, but also that when we get there, we can continue with Brother Tim, bow the knee. Amen. Take your Bibles, please, and turn First of all, to Joshua chapter 3, and then we'll be heading over to Joshua chapter 4. Once again, it's good to have all of you here. And again, I pray. God uses it. You know, I look at faces when I get up here, and there are faces I've seen for years and some for decades. And we've changed a little bit. But though the outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. And I praise God for that. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, now as we go back to the beginning of your people as they march into this promised land. Lord, I pray that you would do a work in our hearts and in order to embrace what we see from your word, truly, may we bow the knee. I pray this. In our Savior's name and for his glory, amen. So there was a man by the name of Caleb, and they are marching in, and he says to Joshua, give me this mountain. Moses said I could have it. You know, everybody has a place in God's work. The body of Christ, as it it comes together, everyone who has truly trusted Christ. That's that's why I've said, and, and please, let's grasp this. When we come into Christ and we hear the commands, us going into obedience, this is the picture of it. It's not... Canaan, going into Canaan, crossing Jordan, is not a picture of dying like we already talked about. In in Canaan, excuse me, in heaven, there's going to be no more fighting. There's going to be no more ground to win over. 
But for the Christian life right now, we do. Let's take a walk. We're going to see ourselves. And we, we need to identify here. Now, I want us to start, we're going to start in Joshua chapter 3, and we're going to go to verse 1. I want you to catch something before we get into chapter 4. I want you to catch something that is said here by Joshua. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host and they commanded the people saying, when ye see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it about 2,000 cubits by measure, come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go. And this is what I want you to hear. For ye have not passed this way heretofore. Now understand something. When people are born, they grow. They grow up. And there are people that can tell them, this is, this is good, this is bad, this is what you ought to do, this is what you ought not to do. When you go to school, now you're there to learn. And, and when you play sports, you learn how to play rightly. And there can be all kinds of other places that we wind up giving instruction. Here's how you get a job. Here's how you keep a job. Here's how you look for a job. And then you grow, and then here we are, where you've gotten older, some of us, and there's a whole lot more in the rearview mirror than there is in the glass before us, the windshield. But when it comes to the Christian walk, at whatever age somebody comes into that, this is different. This is far different than just growing up as a fallen human being. You are now in an entirely different mode. You have become a new creature in Christ. And as it were, the Holy Spirit that we will be talking about tonight, and I can't wait for tonight, but the Holy Spirit comes along and says, now get into God's word because I want you to understand this. You've never been down this path. This is different. In Christ, the way up is down. You bow the knee. In Christ, you surrender yourself completely. You've never been along this way before. You are not serving yourself. You're not serving mankind. You're not serving a boss. You are living for the king of kings. You have not been this way before. Look at verse Five. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. 
You know, there are people that do really interesting things in life, fascinating things. But when you have the equivalent of somebody walking on water, that's different. We're talking about people where it's not them. They're the glove. The hand is is God himself, and he's doing things that are supernatural. We've got a young man sitting amongst us right now. He's going to be going out this summer. He's going to be doing things that three years ago he never thought that he could do. But he will. You know why? The hand that is there. It's the same thing with Tim. It's the same thing with all of us. With the pastor, on and on. All of you. Hey, ladies, praise God for what took place yesterday. That was absolutely fantastic. That was done in the power of God. And we're going to be saying more, maybe, maybe Brother Antonio is going to be saying more about it next. Uh, Brother, that's great. Your first Sunday morning message, and it's Mother's Day. I can't wait to see how the Lord leads you. The point is this. Every day that goes by, we have not passed this way heretofore. It's not us gutting it out and saying, okay, I'm going to try a little bit harder because I want to succeed. No, it's the Lord using us every day. It's thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Daily. The word that translates wonders here is about as close, I understand, in the Hebrew that you can get to the Greek that means miracles. And indeed, miracles took place. But you know, it's interesting here, and and this is something, please, by God's grace, let's take note of this. Joshua did not say, okay, we're crossing over, sharpen your swords. No, he said, we're crossing over, sanctify yourselves. Set yourselves apart. Now, there were certain things that the Jews would do in order to do this. But the point is this. They were making a statement. They are children of God. They're going to do this God's way. And when we come to the time when we are standing before the wall at Jericho, we will expound on that a little bit more. But meanwhile, let's go to Joshua 4. Now, I'm going to read the entire chapter, but there's a reason. So let's settle back, and if you would please, listen. Verse 1. And it came to pass, when all the people were clean passed over Jordan that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe a man, and command ye them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones. And ye shall carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place where ye shall lodge, 
this night. Then Joshua called the 12 men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel out of every tribe a man. And Joshua said unto them, pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan and take you every man of you a stone upon his shoulder according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel that this may be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in time to come saying, what mean ye by these stones that ye will answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did so as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of Jordan as the Lord spake unto Joshua according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel and carried them over with them unto the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of Jordan in the place where the feet of the priests which bear the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there unto this day. For the priests which bear the Ark stood in the midst of Jordan until everything was finished, that the Lord commanded Joshua to speak unto the people according to all that Moses commanded Joshua. And the people hasted and passed over. And it came to pass when all the people were clean passed over, that the ark of the Lord passed over and the priests in the presence of the people and the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and half the tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the children of Israel as Moses spake unto them. About 40,000 prepared for war, passed over before the Lord unto battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord magnified Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they feared him as they feared Moses all the days of his life. The Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Command the priests that bear the ark of the testimony, that they come up out of Jordan. Joshua therefore commanded the priests, saying, Come ye up out of Jordan. And it came to pass when the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord were come up out of the midst of Jordan, and the soles of the priest's feet were lifted up unto the dry land, that the waters of Jordan returned unto their place and flowed over all his banks as they did before. And the people came up out of Jordan on the tenth day of the first month and encamped in Gilgal in the east border of Jericho. And those 12 stones which they took out of Jordan did Joshua pitch in Gilgal. And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? Then ye shall let your children know, saying, Israel 
came over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until ye were passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we were gone over, that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that ye might fear the Lord your God forever. You know, it's kind of fascinating the power that this can have. There are those that, in speaking about creation, there's been a booklet or a, 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 a series that has called, been called The Stones Cry Out. This kind of stone can speak. Now, you know, in what we just saw, you get to thinking, where was this stone before? It was in the middle of Jordan. How did it get out of there? God did wonders. All they had to do was place the stones. And then when asked, they would tell their children and their grandchildren and Lord willing on beyond that, this is what God did. You know, there is a place for memorials in our lives. By the way, that's why the haters of our nation are doing everything they can to tear down the memorials that we have here. But the same thing has happened in local churches, just like it happened in Israel. Because did they remember forever? No, they didn't. Do we? Well, that's a good question. I'm not sure who said this, but somebody wrote this. A basic component of life is a hope for the future that is based on the memories of the past, which help bring meaning to the present. Memories are important. The superstructures of our lives are built upon the foundation of our memories. We are instructed by our memories as to the most creative way to live in the present. They help, us equip, they help equip us with a positive hope for the future. Now, just like Israel... I hope and pray, just like Israel, we didn't cross the Jordan for our glory. We crossed it for his. Just like Israel, God has given us memorials, places where we can remember, remember his work, remember his leading, remember his love. You know, we've all got them. A lot of people here got a diploma. Congratulations. You came through high school. That diploma says something. 
I have a wedding band on. I am married to an absolutely fantastic lady who I don't know why she decided also to be my secretary. And by the way, her birthday is this week. Gives me reason to spend money, you know. I'll be spending a little bit of that next Sunday. Please forgive me, but the boss is going to brag on his secretary. Titles. Titles that remind us of God-given responsibility. You know, it's really something. Somebody can come up and they can call me by my name, Mike Rogers. But I kid you not, when somebody comes up and says, Pastor Mike Rogers, there's a chill that so often goes down my spine. Because when that word pastor is used, sometimes it's terrifying. You know what I mean. In this church, there are memorials. Look behind me. There's a baptistry. How is that a memorial? That reminds the individual that has trusted Christ that I have made a statement that I am his, he is mine, and I am going to follow him. That's what a baptistry does. Look at in front of me. Here's the Lord's table. As we celebrate that, we remind ourselves that we can't save ourselves. Instead, we remind ourselves that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And folks, in fact, even our gathering together is a memorial. We come here recognizing when it comes to most all of us here that we are children of God. And the Lord said through his servant, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. And we come together because he has something to say to us. It's not a reflection on the tool. The tool needs to hear it as much as anybody else. A pastor is a shepherd but he's also a sheep among sheep. The Bible is open. It's thus saith the Lord. That's a memorial. For Israel at this time, it was 12 stones at the river, 12 from the river in Gilgal. Why were those stones put there? Why did they have 12 men each take one of these and put it on his shoulder and walk out and take it all the way to Gilgal. And then Joshua had 12 taken. And it's all according to who you read when it comes to a commentary. There are those that say, well, no, they just, they put them on the shoreline. But I kind of believe with others that, no, you know something? While the river was divided, they put them right there and the river came back and those stones are still there. Now, they're probably covered, you know, with mud and such now. But the point is this, they're there as a testimony. The people would know they're right there. They're right there. Why? Why take something like a rock, a big rock, 
take 12 of them and put them in a place in a city. Why? Because people tend to forget. Demas forgot. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world and is departed. Most of Israel forgot. There came a time people are walking by these stones. They have no idea. Or they have a little bit of an idea, but it's not that important. You know, for many of us, there are memorials that we need to hold on to. There are things that remind us of what God has done and what God desires to do. Let's go down that road just a little bit, and then we'll be done. First of all, there are memories of places. I don't know about you, but I can go to certain places. I can take you to the spot at the church that I grew up in, and I was walking on the sidewalk, and all of a sudden I stopped, and I looked at the auditorium, and I kind of looked around, and I thought, I'm 17 years old. I've got my whole life ahead of me. I'll never forget that. How many of you have specific places that you say, preacher, hey, everybody, I could go to this spot, and I can tell you God spoke to me there. Raise your hand. We know that. Those are places we ought never, never forget. There are people. I talked about my wife. This ring reminds me that Bernie Formanac was tricked into saying, I do. By the way, the, uh, the kids bought me a gift over a year ago through this thing called StoryWorth. Dad, we want you to write a book about your life. And I would get questions every week. I want you to know that, praise God, I finally finished it. And then you start thinking about stuff you needed to put in there. So you want to take your order back, you know, and all that. But also, we wound up putting pictures in there. And I put in pictures of our wedding. Boy, I tell you what, I just, you know, just great. But there's more to it. There's people, there's some of you. I mean, you are a memorial in my life. There was something that you said, that you did. I think of people in time past. The ards, the hires, you know, the nippings. I, I mean, it's just, you know, on and on. I see Brother Whiteside, same thing. And I, and I hesitate to start mentioning people because I don't want to leave people out, but there's people that we can stop and say, Lord, thank you. There are experiences. Now, you know, there's a lot to hate about Facebook, but one thing that Facebook does, all of a sudden it'll pop up. It'll pop up with pictures of friends and family, stuff that you posted in time past, and you remember there. There's experiences of what you did. There are gestures. Now, I have to admit, because of the misuse and the abuse of it, 
I, I, I've never really gotten into um, giving an invitation every Sunday and saying, okay, if you're going to do this and so, you come, you, know, you come forward. But you know, there have been times that the simple gesture of getting out of your seat and coming forward. I remember as a teenager being at youth camp and we're singing, I have decided to follow Jesus. How many of you ever in your life, that song was being sung and you came forward, raise your hand? Yes. I tell you, that just really, that, that really struck me. But just a simple gesture like that, maybe even the raising of a hand, yes, I'm going to do God's will. These things can be memorials. There's also mementos. I've got things in my office that I've gotten when we have, when we have uh, gone overseas and gone to different mission fields and such. I, I, I've got those in my office. I've got them at home. And they speak volumes. I tell you what, there's, there's one memento that I have that is just, it, it brought me to tears. And it's this Bible right here. My wife and I were talking about this. Come this fall, I will have had this Bible 40 years. I, I, was, I was teaching in Santa Maria, I had just started teaching all the, all the kids in junior high and high school in that Christian school down there, 135 students. And I started putting notes. I just, you know, I did it with my construction Bible. I had a Thompson chain and it, it finally tore in half. Um, Heather's got it. She's, she's got it at her house. But this thing, I've had it rebound twice and it needs to be bound again. But the company that did it before, they don't, they're, they're, they don't exist anymore. But I got to looking in the notes and this is what brought me to tears because I can look in here and I can remember young people. I can remember things that I told them as well as stuff, you know, here. There can be no feast without a sacrifice. I'll never forget that. The game of life. I did this while I, was, while I was helping coach football. I was watching these young people. I was listening to Tim Booth, our head coach. And all of a sudden, I thought about this. The game of life is played but once. No timeouts, no substitutes, no replays. And when the clock runs out, there is no changing the score. Bob, like you say, it's a done deal. But then I look in the very back and there's places that I, that I wrote things. And I don't know, maybe, maybe you're, you know, you've got things in your Bible as well that you've, that you've done it. But it's just, it's a joy to see this stuff. E.M. Bounds, men are God's method. The church is looking for better methods. God is looking for better men. All those who journey, soon or late, 
must pass within the garden's gate, must kneel alone in darkness there and battle with some fierce despair. God pity those who cannot say, not mine, but thine, who only pray, let this cup pass, and cannot see the purpose of Gethsemane. I love this one. My orders are to fight. Then if I bleed or fail or strongly win, what matters it? God only doth prevail. The servant craveth not except to serve with might. I was not told to win or lose. My orders are to fight. True spirituality is a divine output of the life rather than a mere cessation of things which are called worldly. This is copied. It does not consist in what one does not do. It is rather what one does. It is not suppression. It is expression. It is not holding in self. It is living out Christ. I'll never forget when I was down in Santa Maria coming across this. This is a poem. It's entitled, The Martyr's Hymn. It is an adaptation of a poem that was scratched on the wall of a prison in December 1943 by Dr. Francis H. Rose. He was one of 11 missionaries who were slaughtered by the Japanese while they held the Philippines. This is that poem that was adapted from his poem. All human progress up to God has stained the stairs of time with blood. For every gain of Christendom is bought by someone's martyrdom. For us he poured the crimson cup and bade us take and drink it up. Himself he poured to set us free. Help us, O Christ, to drink with thee. 10,000 saints come thronging home from lion's den and catacomb. The fire and sword and beast defied for Christ their king. They gladly died. With eye of faith, we see today that cross-led column wind its way up life's repeated Calvary. We rise, O Christ, to follow thee. That's a marker. That's a memorial. That is a memory. Look again at verse 27, Joshua And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? Then ye shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land, for the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until ye were passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we were gone over. That all the people of the earth might know 
the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that ye might fear the Lord your God. You know, I'll never forget when we were in Israel, and I won't go into full detail on the story. Many of you remember this. You probably remember me telling about it. But we went to a place, an unusual building in Capernaum. It was actually lifted up off of the ground. You went into it, it was circular, and you would make your way, you would go to the center. There were seats where you could sit, where people, if they were having a lecture or something like that, but you could come up and there was a large area that was open. And when you looked down, you saw the place that it is reported that Peter lived in Capernaum. And so this building was built right there. And it hovers over it. That, for many, is a memoriam for Peter. You know something? I would rather have this. Second Peter 1. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. This is verse 2. Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. I would rather have what he experienced and what God told him to write than to just look at where he used to live. That's why God's word is so important. Let me ask you, when it comes to these stones, I've got three up here. Picturing them as the stones that were in Gilgal or taken to Gilgal. What do these stones mean? What's what's it mean to us? Well, first of all, remember the works of God. The world doesn't fear God right now. In some part, it doesn't have a reason to because God's people aren't fearing God. They've taken the church out of God's hand And so many are doing church the way they want to. It's entertainment. It's a time of telling jokes. It's a time of telling tear-jerking stories. But it's not a time of the gospel. Remember the works of God. Secondly, based on what we read in Joshua, remember that we forget Remember that we forget. Our memories dim. They do. Remember in Exodus, this always gets me. Exodus 15, you need not turn to it. The children of Israel are thirsty. Exodus 15, verse 24. And the people murmured against Moses saying, what shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. (laughs) Two chapters later, verse 3, And the people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? Didn't they remember that the Lord supplied not all that long ago? You know, 
We need memorials to remind us that God loves us, that he supplies all our need, that he hears our prayers, that he is coming to take us home. We also need to give thanks. We don't always do that. Look at Psalm 103, if you would, please. I love this psalm. By the way, this is a memorial for me as well, but I'm not going to go into it right now. But look at verse 1 of Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and what's the next word? And forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagle's. Are those empty words? No. Our God is good. Let's not forget. By the way, remembering what God has done for others brings, helps us rejoice in what God has done for us. If he did this for David, we know he does it for us. There's another thing of remembrances. We can teach the future about the past. Again, verse 24 in Joshua 4, that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty. Listen, God didn't put those stones there just for Joshua's generation. They were there so that people could take their families, their grandchildren, and say, let me tell you something. That's there for a reason. There were people that would have said, you know, I remember when my grandfather brought me here and he told me the story. And now I'm telling my you, my grandchildren, this is what God has done. Listen, our God is a good God, children. Our God is a great God. He keeps his promises. So teach the future about the past. But then also teach of memorials to come. In closing, take your Bibles and turn to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3, verse 12. Him that overcometh, will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. Listen to what Barnes said about this. 
The allusion is to a public edifice on the columns of which the names of distinguished and honored persons were recorded. That is, where there was a public testimonial of the respect in which one which one whose name was thus recorded was held. The honor thus conferred on him who should overcome would be as great as if the name of that God whom he served and whose favor and friendship he enjoyed were inscribed on him in some conspicuous manner. The meaning is that he would be known and recognized as belonging to God, the God of the Redeemer himself, indicated by the phrase, the name of my God. Do you know what you and I are going to be in heaven? We're going to be a memorial. A memorial of what? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's going to be us. Now, you know, we started out at the beginning of Joshua, and here they are. I mean, it's a rock. Yeah. There, there's those of us, we, you know, we take the time to get these out of our, out of our lawns, you know, away, or, or put them in some place in kind of a decoration. I asked some men yesterday if they could bring a rock with them. If you did it, would you please stand up? If you brought a rock, would you please bring it forward? Let's just place it right here. And guys, if you could just kind of stay over here, just real quick. I've got a couple of more over here, but let's just hold it like this. There would be some that would think it's silly. You're going to bring a rock? Now, come on. You know you're going to remove that. But what if we didn't? What if we didn't? What if every Sunday we gathered and we remembered that men came forward and said, you know something? I remember what God did for me. I'm going to use this rock as a testimony of what God has done for me. Now, we don't necessarily need to do that because we've got the baptistry, we've got the Lord's table, and we have this building. But folks... If God can use something as simple as a rock, as a testimony of his mighty power, what if we just decided, you know what, guys? Let's be the rock. Let's be the rock. Because the work has taken place within And when I get to heaven, when they get to heaven, when we get to heaven, if we've trusted Christ as our Savior, you know what's going to be across our forehead? And it's a memorial. 
You know, it so angers me that there are people out there taking down memorials of men. They aren't worth the dirt it would take to bury that memorial. Forgive me. But you know, we've left some things behind as well. Our lives ought to be a memorial of the work of our God. We haven't passed this way heretofore. But we can go with him, amen? I look at these men, I see men, the rock means something. What if you had a rock? Would you bring it up here? I'd like for us to really think about that. Let's stand for prayer. Gentlemen, thank you. Heavenly Father,